Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello there, it's me, Josh, and for this week's SYSK Selects, I've chosen our classic episode, How Immigration Works, because I feel like we could all brush up on the nuts and bolts and the reasons why of immigration. Enjoy. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, seated across from me, as always, as it should be, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Hi. And that makes the Stuff You Should Know, the podcast, the dream, the legend. Yeah. The classic podcast, classic audio. Yeah, look at us. Yeah. We were we were called pioneers before on iTunes. Do you remember that? In year one? Yeah, we're like the Milton Burrow of podcasts. And now we're already classics. I wonder if next year will be uh, on the way out. Next year, yes, die already. <laughs> Has-beens. I think that's what it'll be called. Uh, well, you're referring to, we were, we were named uh, the number seven podcast of the year in the classics category. We were. Ahead of, or behind... Our uh, glass. Well, as always, yeah. You know, I've I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't feel comfortable being ahead of Ira Glass. You know, I just feel like I'm walking around with a big target on my back or something. Well, no one does. No one is. No, he no stands. One ever he will stands be. alone. Yeah. So, Chuck. Yes. Oh, we should probably mention um, while we're at the top of the podcast, Facebook stuff. You should know is uh-huh. on Facebook. Come join us. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Give yourself a little Christmas treat. <laughs> yeah. And uh, on Twitter. Follow Josh's uh, uh, Twitter feed. S-Y-S-K podcast. Yeah, but you, right. you run the show there for the most part. You do a good job of filling in the blanks, buddy. Rarely, but thank you. Chuck. Josh. Hey, have you ever heard of the DREAM Act? I have. As, as of, uh, I mean, not as of today, but today, big news. Yes, the uh, Development Relief and Education for Alien Minors Act, which is basically like uh, S-chip for illegal immigrant kids. Okay. But without the health care. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was passed in the House today by a vote of 216 to 198. And uh, that's kind of a big deal. It moves on to the Senate. Well, it's getting a little hinky because uh, the Senate may kill this thing. Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, this is like breaking news, so who knows what's going to happen in the next hour after we record, but that's the word on the street. Wow. But basically, this uh, this act provides a path to citizenship for kids who were brought to the United States uh, as illegal immigrants and have grown up here. Well, yeah, and who uh, qualify in certain ways, like they've been here five years, they've attained, uh, obtained a high school diploma or a GED mm-hmm. and demonstrated good moral character. So they're not just 
willy-nilly handing out citizenship. No. And if you're a little kid right now and you were brought to the U.S. illegally as a child, go start volunteering at uh, nursing homes. That can only help your case. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. And the nursing home people will enjoy it as well. Well, this one guy they mentioned in here, uh, quickly, Cesar Vargas, is, uh, of course, they pick out like the, the one shining star right. as their example, but he's going to graduate law school with a 3.8 GPA and wants to serve in the U.S. military. And potentially, if this is blocked, he won't be allowed to do so. No. Which is, you know, it's kind of sad. Right. We need willing and able bodies, right. smart guys and gals. Hard workers. We do need them. And actually, most of our immigration laws, as I understand from researching this article, um, are kind of structured around the economy. Yeah. You know, like our, our, the order of preference for the um, types of immigrants that we give visas to yeah. are, are kind of like, how's your back? Right, right. You know, yeah, you're feeling, exactly. feeling strong? <laughs> well, come on in. Yeah, well, they did say that the DREAM Act... Um, the uh, Congressional Budget Office said it would actually cut the federal deficit by $1.4 billion. Yeah, how? Did and increase revenues. I would guess by adding oh, uh, taxes. people, taxes and people to the workforce. Gotcha. Uh, it will increase revenues. That's what they say, at least, over a decade. And that's with offering them tuition, in-state tuition to college, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty big. Okay, Chuck, let's talk immigration, shall we? Yeah, this is way more dense than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it is really dense. I knew it was going to be sort of complicated because becoming a citizen is, is sort of complicated, but I didn't know there were so many ways to do Na- so. We should say, spoiler alert here, naturalization isn't even in this podcast, and it's that dense. Yeah, I wondered about that. There's no citizenship classes. There's no, no nothing. The word green card doesn't appear in here either. Uh-uh. Just immigration. That is correct, my friend. Yeah. Remember Happiness? One of the characters was an immigration uh, naturalization teacher. <laughs> That's your favorite movie ever. <laughs> I love that movie. It's a good one. Well, Chuck, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Back in the 1770s, mm-hmm. uh, there was a guy named Samuel Ellis, and he yeah. owned a little island uh-huh. in uh, New York Harbor. Yeah. It was very important in 1812. Yeah. It was a, a, an important defensive position. After the British left, uh, we said, you know what? Let's just use this to immigrate people. Let's yeah. just funnel them through here, yeah. build up a, a nice little building, and uh, change everybody's names. And that was Ellis Island. Yep. And uh, from 1892 to 1954, dude, 12 million immigrants passed through that tiny little island. And 40% of our population in this country can be traced back to an immigrant from Ellis Island. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I think uh, without slanting anything or um, leaning one way or the other, I think it behooves all of us, while we're listening to this podcast, to kind of bear that in mind. <laughs> Maybe your relatives were immigrants at one point? Yeah. Yeah. So, Chuck, let's yeah. talk immigration. How do you do this? Let's talk legal immigration first. Yeah, well, we should point out beforehand, though, when you said that we should remember, bear in mind that a lot of our rel- or, uh, ancestors were immigrants, there are nativists that believe that like, you shouldn't let any people into the country anymore. Right, and those aren't to be confused with Native Americans who are actually the ones who were here originally. Big difference. These are people who are descended from immigrants who are saying that we shouldn't let anybody in the country. Yeah, but I would encourage any nativist to attend a naturalization ceremony. That's all I'm going to say. I've been to one. Have you really? Yeah, I worked on a little documentary on Jane Seymour's naturalization. What? Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. (laughs) 
Oh, she was naturalized. Yeah. I thought she made a documentary called Naturalization. No, no, no. She was naturalized, and they hired a camera crew to follow her around, and I worked on that. And I went to a ceremony in Los Angeles, and it was, you know, it's easy to get down in this country when you hear about dosing citizens with LSD and (laughs) other hinky science experiments, human experimentation and Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. But you go to one of these things, and it's a a genuine reminder. And I don't get hokey like this much, but I was misty-eyed for sure. Yeah. I mean, an auditorium full of people at uh, the Congress uh, Congress Center? What's it called in L.A.? Staples Center. No, it wasn't the Staples Center. <laughs> the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> yes, yeah, the Hollywood Bowl. Jerry Zucker's house. But all these kids and, and, uh, and adults just, uh, you could just see it on their faces. They were so happy to be citizens of the U.S. and took, you know, said the allegiance, and it was really, really cool. Yeah, you're like, those people know more about civics than the average <laughs> yeah. person who is born here right now. Darn straight. All right, uh, so let's go ahead. Jane Seymour, class act, Chuck. And before yeah. we move on, one of Dave Letterman's top ten signs you're in a bad fraternity. Every Saturday night is Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman Night. Is that for real? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, Chuck, um, you done? You ready to actually talk about legal immigration? That's, that's my mini rant against people that say close up shop. I like your rants. They're very non-offensive. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there are a few agencies that are charged with um, immigration. Mm-hmm. And let's make the distinction, Chuck. Um, you've heard of immigration and emigration. With an I or an E. Right. Yeah. So immigration with an I means that you are going into a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, emigrating means that you are leaving a country. Or exiting with an E. That's how I'd remember it. That's a good one. Um, I remember it like, I am nauseous to you, Chuck, because I make you feel nauseated. <laughs> That's how I keep immigrant and emigrant separate. That's an interesting mnemonic device. Do you like that? <laughs> yeah. So it used to be INS who was in charge of immigration, and uh, these days it's Department of Homeland Security, right? Pretty much ever since 2001, and the Department of Homeland Security was organized after that, um, INS is... Not it's pretty much taking a back seat if they're even still around. Yeah, right? and under the uh, Homeland Security is the obviously the Border Protection, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, and the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service. They handle a lot of the paperwork, right? Customs and Border Protection handles like the law enforcement aspect of it. Yeah, right. That Congress passes the laws. Right, and Congress is up to, they're in charge of all immigration policy. The president can have an agenda that he tries to push through Congress, Mm -hmm. but it's up to Congress. The one thing the president does have a direct hand in is creating refugee policy. And we'll talk a little bit about refugees, but I propose right here and now that we do a podcast on refugees at some point in time. Yeah, we'll handle immigration and we'll do refugees later. Yeah. Agreed. So lay off us. (laughs) Um, Chuck? Yes. There are plenty of different aliens. Yeah. There's the illegal alien, which we've heard of. There's the legal alien, the most famous one being Sting, an Englishman in New York. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of other words that get bandied about. I I get the impression that alien is not quite um, acceptable as it once was. It's more, it's just immigrant now. Uh, Okay. But it's not an offensive word. It's actually still a very... um, it's a, it's a legitimate word to use. Yeah, you have a resident alien who mm-hmm. is, uh, you're not a citizen or national, but you have the right to live and work here. So, um, Or a non-resident alien is like if you have a travel visa and you're here for a short, you know, you're an Australian. You're allowed to live here for a little while. You're an Australian, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> um, naturalized, uh-huh. not to be confused with spiritualized, but naturalized means that you are a citizen, but you, you became a citizen after birth. You weren't a born citizen. Like right? Jane Seymour. Right, mm-hmm. class act. Yes. 
Uh, there's you know also- who she's married to, by the way? Stacy Keach's brother. Todd Keach? <laughs> no, or was it Stacy Keach? No, Stacy Keach's brother. Todd. No, it's not Todd. I can't remember. But that's her husband, who's a filmmaker, and he made the film about her becoming a citizen. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Just thought I'd bring that up. So basically they rode off about six months of their life. Yeah, and he was he acted for a short time. He was in vacation. Remember when the officer pulls him over for killing the dog, dragging the dog? Yeah. He that's him. That's that, him, huh? That's Keach. James Keach. Really? Yeah. Okay. Full circle. Yeah, that's good stuff, Chuck. All right. Um there is the uh, the end all be all of before being naturalized, the lawful permanent resident, yeah. which is basically like kick back, relax, get a job, <laughs> have a drink, <laughs> or don't chill out, yeah, do whatever you want, just just start, just apply something here or there, sure. But you're allowed to live here <laughs> yeah. for the rest of your life, right? You're not necessarily a citizen, yeah. So don't try and vote, right? Don't you dare try and serve on a jury, right, right, right. But you know, pretty much everything else is fine, right, right. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. So how do people get here? Well, you have to apply for a visa. That's the first step in all of these processes is the old visa. Yeah, and and it depends on where you are, right? Where you go apply. Uh yeah, or or what your status is, right? Well, sure. If well, if you are in a country, let's say you're Swedish, and okay. you're like, I am so sick of this minimalist furniture crap. Right. I want to get to the U.S. and the no crime and, yeah. the, and the gorgeous scenery. This place is so boring. And the women that are blonde and tall. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I want to leave all that. Right. Okay. Um, and move to Detroit. Yes. <laughs> You want to move to Detroit. <laughs> yeah. What you would do is you would go to the U.S. consulate in Stockholm or wherever. You'd find the closest one to you in your country of origin and say, I want to move to Detroit. And after a few minutes of them, like, thinking you're joking, you right. finally <laughs> convince them you're, you're telling the truth. 
they're going to start the process of applying for a visa, right? Yeah, and this is to become a permanent resident. This isn't like a work visa or a student visa. Those are all temporary. Right. This is if you want to stay here forever in Detroit. Uh, and you will but, but this visa is not this is a this is basically your ticket to get from your country to a port. Yeah, not even in the United States. No. Which is confusing to me a little and, bit. And you're setting yourself up for an almost immediate um, letdown because oh, yeah. the consular officer who's going to eventually interview you after you fill out your application uh-huh. can say, sorry, we, we don't want your type in Detroit. Yeah, or they could interview you and say, great, and then you could have another awkward encounter when you get to the port of entry because they don't have to let you in either. No. The, the, uh, the, the port authority agent can be like, no. No, I don't really like the looks of you. Yeah. I don't like your mustache. <laughs> I don't like that cable knit sweater. Go back to Sweden. Yeah, I hate IKEA. Yeah, is that Swedish? Yes. Okay, I always think it's Swiss for some reason. Everything over there, that's over here, mm-hmm. Swedish. Okay. So uh, let's say you do get here to the port of entry. They will ask you a few questions when you get to that port of entry, like where you're from, uh, what do you want to do here. Is anyone sponsoring you? Do you have family here? That kind of thing. Right. And um, there are different kinds of visas. I get the impression that there's the, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, let the Swede in. He wants to go to Detroit. No criminal background. Just let him in. Right. Type of visa. Mm-hmm. Down to the, um, we're not entirely certain that this guy's not a criminal visa. So, like, really <laughs> yeah. scrutinize him, right? Yeah. They give out 480,000 permanent resident visas every year. That's for family. Yeah, if, yeah. if you want to join a family member that's in the country. Correct. Right. Sorry. Right. So you uh, maybe you got married to an American Joe or something like that during the war. Or Jane. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're, you have dual citizenship you're, because you're, you were born somewhere with two different parents, for, or parents from two different countries. Right, right. So you have dual citizenship. Yeah. You chose the other country. Now you want to move to the U.S. Right. And your parent lives here. Right. That's probably pretty easy, especially, again, with the economics, if you're 21 and unmarried. Right. Because you're going to come over here, probably make babies with an American girl, so you're going to take care of her, Mm -hmm. and you are going to get a good job, so you're going to spend money raising your kid here, Mm -hmm. and you are going to do nothing but be an economic driver rather than a drain. Yes. Eh? Well put. So if you, let's say you do have a family member here, uh, you need to prove your relationship um, I would guess beyond just saying, I promise you, it's my father. And uh, <laughs> you need, like, you have to have an affidavit, affidavit of support right. um, that says that you can support this person at 125% above the poverty line. Which is like 19 grand. Yeah, it's not much. <laughs> it's basically saying you, you're not going to be a drain on the system. You'll barely eke by, if nothing else. But as long as you can eke by. As long as you can eke by. Yeah. Uh, then it's got to get approved by uh, the U.S. Uh, CIS. Yes, again, the, the kind of the bureaucratic arm of immigration. Right. Right. Then the Department of State checks to see if a visa number is available. Uh, if you might already be in the U.S., so you can apply to have your status changed to that that awesome lawful permanent resident after you get a number. Or if you're outside and you get a number you go to the U.S., to where they tell you to go. Well, you go to the consulate and, yeah, the, and finish the process there. In Detroit. Right. And, and no, in, in your country still, oh, if you're oh. outside. So basically the whole key to immigration is, is down the middle, whether you're doing this outside the country or inside the country. Right. There's basically two different sets of, you know, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Yeah. 
right? Uh-huh. If you're inside the U.S., you know, turn to page 32. Right. And then, you know, apply for lawful permanent resident status. If you're, yeah. if you're still in Sweden, go to page 12 and right. go to the consulate. It really does get a little convoluted. A and I don't, I don't think they make it hard on purpose. But I think you just hit, you, we should totally COA. <laughs> this is in no way legal advice to anybody who no. is listening to us in Australia or Sweden, especially. Right. Um, we're just using you as an example. If you actually do want to immigrate to the U.S., we hope this inspires you to do it lawfully. Yeah, sure. And to go contact an immigration attorney. Yeah. Or at least do a lot of heavy lifting research on, you know, um, Department of State. Yeah. The uh, Department of Homeland Security's websites. Or at the very least by Immigration for Dummies. Right. Or Which just I don't... guarantee just, is out there. Just do something in addition to listening to this show. Yes. That's what I say. Or if you do just listen to this show and you, you become a lawful citizen... Uh-huh. From it, we want an email from you about that. Yeah, and friend us on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cheap. Uh, so where are we here? Uh, the family sponsorship, should we go through that? The preferences? Yeah, we talked about the preferences, right? So let's, let's spell them out. Um, provided you're at least 21, uh, parents, spouses, and unmarried children of U.S. citizens, you, you don't have to wait. Like if they are citizens, you don't have to wait for that visa number. No, you can if your if your visa is approved or if your petition for alien relative is approved, uh-huh. um, you can just come on over and become a lawful permanent resident, right? Yeah, and that's if they're a citizen. If your relative is a citizen, right? right. If one of your relatives has made it over and has become a lawful permanent resident, mm-hmm. uh, then you can start to come over too, right? Uh, but it, it, there's there's different preferences for that. It's a uh, spouse or an unmarried son or daughter, again, probably of twenty one of age, twenty one years of age or, or older. Yeah, that's first preference. But not too old, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, the second preference is spouses of lawful permanent residents. Uh, they're under one, under twenty one, unmarried children, and unmarried children of lawful permanent residences. Right. I'm sorry, residents. Third preference, married children of citizens, and fourth preference, siblings of adult citizens. Wow. Yeah, siblings of adult citizens, it's like, I guess, we got a bunch of visas left over. You you really need your brother over here? I mean, really? Yeah. You're 30, and you got to have your brother over here. (laughs) Right. right. Or you're 70. (laughs) Right. You know? So, yeah, it it gets a little convoluted for sure. Um, Chuckers, uh, there have been, there are other ways to do this. If you were the first of your family... Mm -hmm. And you are starting on the path to citizenship, yeah. right? Um, there are some other ways to get in the country to get the ball rolling. Number one, one of the best ways to do this is through a the diversity lottery program. Yeah, hit the lottery. It, that means that you are living in a country where immigration to the U.S. is really not that bulky. Sure, not a lot of people are not not a lot of Swedes coming over to the U.S. necessarily. Yeah, they probably have a good shot at it. Um, and so the uh, State Department sets aside 55,000 visas, uh-huh. v- visa numbers every year. And actually 110,000 is what they really set aside because a lot of people don't complete the process. Right. But they basically say, hey, you want to come to the U.S.? Not too many people are coming over from your country. We, we are the great melting pot over here. Mm-hmm. We're missing a little bit of your spice. So how about applying, huh? Yeah. And um, the Kentucky Consular Bureau is responsible for this. Really? And in 2011, Chuck, did you know that nine New Caledonians and one Lichtensteinian <laughs> among the, were among the 55,000 who came over? Really? One Lichtensteinian? Yep. Wow. And one person from uh, the French 
Arctic lands. Which I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you're if you're lucky enough to hit this lottery, Josh, you can live here and work here forever. You can and bring, bring your, your family. Yeah, you can bring your family. You can bring your uh, unmarried children. If they're under 21, if they're over 21, then they're on their own. Right. You become a lawful permanent resident who, who uh, can become a citizen yeah. under that. But it's like a huge, not just like, uh, it's like the express lane. Yeah, you're in there. Right. Another way to do it is through employment, right? Yeah, I didn't know about this one or the next one. No, this is I'll a go big ahead and one. Admit that this is how we got the uh, Nazis over here to f- start our rocket program through Operation Paperclip. Uh, okay, immigration through employment. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, that's when the employer uh, kind of sponsors you, and they submit a labor certification request. Certification? You like that? <laughs> I like that. What was the other one you said too? The uh, residences and um, I'm all over the place. Oh, F. Affidavit or something yeah. besides affidavit. Yeah, I'm all thick tongue today. Um, in honor of you, that's my stick. So uh, you submit that to the Department of Labor. Uh, if it is granted, then the employer then files for a petition for alien worker, considered by the U.S. Uh, USCIS again. Mm-hmm. Then, if that's approved, then you can get the immigrant a visa number from the State Department. And basically say, go to work. But that's, read the, the little qualifications there. Uh, the, the, like the types of workers, the preferences? Yeah. So you've got um, EB1, which is priority workers, which is we need a rocket program to get to the moon fast. Yeah. Um, EB2 is professionals with advanced degrees or persons with exceptional abilities. Basically, if you live in Bangalore, India right now, that's you. Yeah. You're coming over here. Yeah. No problems. Um, EB3, skilled or professional workers. Uh, I think a lot of That's people... That's have a strong back, probably. A lot of, yes, a lot of roofers um, made their way into Florida, I, I imagine, through that okay. uh, immigration status. And there's EB4, special immigrants. Do you know what that is? I have no idea. I can't even begin to think of what kind of job that would be. No. We need someone on the inside, if you know, if you work for the State Department, let us know what a special immigrant is. Yes. And then there is the what, what you could call the yellow brick road to citizenship. Yeah, this is the, the the cherry on top. Basically, if you have if you have some money, you want to throw around and invest in, in the American dream, you can then, buy your visa. Yeah, you can buy your visa. It's uh, ten thousand investor visas every year made available, and uh, you have to. There's you know a few different ways to do it. You have to prove basically that you are going to make an investment in a commercial endeavor uh, that's approved, and that you're going to create ten. Ten or more jobs through this endeavor, right? And this is half of those half of those ten thousand investor visas are set aside for this pilot project called um, oh regional centers. Yeah, which is basically it's a rural area, struggling business. Sure, it's it's a part of the U.S. that needs some investment, needs some new businesses. Right, Detroit. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can also get that same visa, Josh, by starting a business or purchasing a business that's not doing so hot. Uh, and you can also, yeah, if you purchase right. a business, you can't just purchase it. You have to show that you can in, inflate its revenues by 140%. Right. And keep everybody on staff. Right. Or the golden ticket, if you just have a lot of money, yeah. if you have half a million dollars, you can say, I'm going to invest that in a rural area. Yeah. Or if you have a million dollars, you can just invest in some other venture. Anything. <laughs> and And the best part is if you invest that million dollars correctly... Not only do you buy your visa, you might make a substantial <laughs> yeah, amount of exactly. money back on your investment. Yeah. So that, yeah, if you've got a lot of dough, then you can become an American citizen. Yeah, come on in. Spend your money. 
right? Yeah, and I have to say, I know you don't print out the pictures. You're missing out on this one. There are some cool maps that are, like, inflated and, and exaggerated uh-huh. and, and anemic and colorful. The United States looks based bloated. On, based on immigration to countries. Interesting. And then there's also one where uh, refugees are. It's really neat. I, I oh, recommend yeah. going and checking this Boy, out. Boy, South and Central America are skinny. <laughs> America is bloated. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. So, so is the, uh, the Middle East. Very, very big. Oh, is it? When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Uh, so let's talk about Asylum. This is pretty convoluted as well, actually. Yeah, if you remember one thing from this podcast, a person seeking asylum mm-hmm. is called an asylee. That's it. Can we just stop there? Yes. Let's go to sleep. <laughs> uh, you know what asylum is, Josh. It's obviously it's when you're protected um, from – if you're fleeing persecution from your country, mm-hmm. you can come here and say, I need asylum because I live in Sudan. Well, do you remember in the Rules of War podcast we were talking about World War II changed everything? Oh, yeah. Basically brought the whole world together uh, to say we need to come up with some like rules – not just for war, mm-hmm. but for the Universal Declaration of Human Rights yeah. uh, that was passed or ratified in 1948. Um, countries of the world said, as a human being, uh, people have the right to seek and enjoy in other countries asylum for pu- persecution. Yeah. Which is basically like, if some horrible stuff's going on over here, yeah. you have to take these people if they come to your country. Yeah. That, that's a basic human right to be free from that because right. there's other parts of the world. Yeah? Yeah, or at the very least, in the case of the United States, you, you, uh, you can go to another country that we have a deal with, an asylum deal, like, hey, you might like Canada. Right, not only that, <laughs> if, they, yeah, if they come to the U.S. and they're like, we, I, I'm seeking asylum, we can be like, you're approved for Canada. Right. <laughs> and we can just take you there. Like, we'll give you a bus ticket even. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because we have asylum treaties with other countries. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, there are no quotas or limits on, on this kind of visa. 
Uh, you just have to demonstrate a well-founded fear for your life, basically. Yeah, of persecution in his or her home country, right? Yeah. And you make that case um, at a point of entry. So basically, if you're seeking asylum, here's the difference between an asylee and a refugee. Again, yes. in, inside or outside of the country. Right. So let's say that you are fleeting, fleeing Sudan uh-huh. and you've made it uh, to Egypt, mm-hmm. right? You're like, I, I don't really want to stay in Africa any longer. Mm-hmm. I really want to seek, I I seek asylum in the U.S. Yeah. But I'm doing it from Egypt. You're a refugee. If you leave Egypt and come to the port of Savannah and say, I, I, I want asylum, you're an asylee. It's ah, okay. just where you're doing it. But it's the same thing right, for the right. same reasons. You're being persecuted in your home country, and you're seeking comfort and freedom from persecution in another country. Gotcha. Got it? You know, you've heard of the, uh, is it the Lost Boys of Sudan? Is that right? The Child Soldiers? Is, is it, why am I thinking? Is it the Lost Boys of Sudan? Is that I right? Think it sounds right, yeah. One of those guys works at Twain's Indicator. <laughs> He's a former child soldier? I think so. That's, wow. And he was, uh, just very happy to be busting tables at Twain's. I'm sure. I mean, everyone loved this guy. I don't know if he's still there. This has been a, a couple of years since I've been there. But, uh, yeah, it was really neat. I mean, he was, you know, the news stories all over the place about these guys. And he worked there and was one of the, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? People loved him. He wasn't a mascot. <laughs> but he was He was almost like people would come to Twain's and, like, everyone said hi to him. And, yeah. And he was, he was a very nice guy. That's awesome. Mascot's not the right word, though. <laughs> Save it for the refugee podcast, will you? Yeah. Because um, we're talking about asylum here. Yes. So, Chuck, uh, if you're fleeing persecution that's kind of specific, you can't be like, no one in my home country likes me. Right. That's not persecution, right? No, no, no. It's um, persecution based on race, mm-hmm. politics, yep. nationality, religion, membership in a social group. Mm-hmm. So if, like, the U.S. turned on the Knights of Columbus... They could go to, like, Europe and seek asylum. Yeah. Or if you're in a book club. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure what that means. It's a social Uh, group. Okay. Um, There are two types of asylum, Josh. There's affirmative and defensive asylum. And from what I get, affirmative is when you arrive here Mm -hmm. at a port of entry. Right. You, within a year of being here, you submit your application. It's filed, and you have an interview. They call it non-adversarial. It basically means doesn't take place in court. Right. It's going to take place in a friendly office and everybody's going to be smiling. (laughs) And uh, they're not detained. You can live here while your case is being considered, um, but you can't work. Isn't that right? Uh, I believe that is right. And actually, if you do this the right way, like the U.S. is set up... we actually have an act from 1980 called the Refugee Act, uh-huh. and it's, anybody can ask for asylum no matter what your alien status is. And we actually have mech- mechanations, mm-hmm. mechanization, mechanisms. We'll go with that <laughs> one in place um, to kind of hasten this process. Yeah. So if you do this correctly, you can have this whole thing buttoned up in 60 days and be kicking back in Detroit. Yeah. If it never goes to uh, before a judge and it just stays nice and affirmative and non-adversarial. Yeah. Then you're you're in like Flint in no time. Right. So basically, what you want to do is within a year of landing in the U.S., you want to go to a port and ask for asylum. Yeah, I would do that on day two. Why not? After I've gone out and like seen what nightlife uh, <laughs> has to offer. <laughs> Woo, I love America. Uh, and then there's defensive asylum, and that is when you are. You are in danger of being deported, and you're trying to get asylum. Yes. 
So that's not like you came here and you filed all the correct paperwork. That means they're saying, no, you need to go home. And you're like, no, I don't want to go. Right. That means like if you waited two years yeah. and you go, they're going to be like, oh, well, now you're, now you're in defense of asylum, dummy. Why didn't you do this a year ago? Right. Or if you weren't granted asylum, you can still try and get in through defense of asylum. Right. If you've gone through, if you went through affirmative asylum and were denied, you, yeah. th- your next step would be going through defensive asylum, which is adversarial, meaning it's in a court. Everybody's a little stern, talking to you a little mean. Right. There's lawyers and all that stuff. Um, and w- we should say here, if you were caught without correct documentation, if you um, forfeited your alien status, uh-huh. anything like that, uh, this, it, it doesn't just apply to illegal immigrants. It applies to Ill- illegal immigrants who can, again, demonstrate a, quote, credible fear of persecution or torture. Right. This is asylum. It just applies to those people. Yes. Right? Yes. And then there's expedited removal, Chuck. Yeah, that's if you're busted, basically, with no documentation. Coming in. Coming in, and you're just like, oh, I just thought you needed a plane ticket. <laughs> is that not good enough? No. Here's my luggage uh, receipt. And actually, this is pretty cool. The immigration officials, which I imagine includes the customs um, agency, right? Yeah. Uh, Which we did a podcast on then, didn't we? Uh, Yeah, sure did. Um, They have to ask four questions of anyone they catch uh, trying to make it into the U.S. illegally. Yeah. Right? Uh, They have to ask, uh, why did you leave your home country? Yeah. Uh, why, or do you have any fear or concern about being returned to your home country? Yeah. Uh, would you be harmed if you were returned to your home country? Do you have any questions? Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah. That's actually in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, basically anybody who wants to seek asylum can say, I'm seeking asylum. And that's going to start off this process. You're, you're, they're not going to be like, no. Yeah. Anyone, if you come here and you want asylum, you're at least going to be able to speak with someone about that. Right. You're not just going to be turned away at the door. But if you're busted getting in, yes. you're going straight to defensive asylum. Right. If you make it through and then go to a port, right, and right. say, I'm seeking asylum, you're, they'll, the, that'll be affirmative asylum. Yeah, people like I was are probably like, what? <laughs> so confusing. Yeah. Just go to a port and say asylum. And yeah. that'll, that'll kickstart something interesting That'll in your start life. the process for sure. Uh, so we're not going to talk too much about refugees, but um, the 2009 World Refugee Survey puts that number at about 13.6 million wow. worldwide wow. refugees. And in uh, last year... God, that's up a lot because this article was written, I think, in like 2007. Yeah, it was nine. And uh, Silverman, did you notice Jacob Silverman made a Bruno reference? I did. Yeah. Um, he said that in 2005, there were 9.5 million um refugees at the beginning of that year we're up to 13 million that's what it said wow and uh last year the u.s admitted 60,191 refugees and the next closest was canada at about 11,000 and then the aussies at about 9,000 wow there's refugees from canada no refugees that canada said once you come on here to the great white north we'll let you gotcha. they admitted the refugee and that's, you know, refugees are looking for, are at the very least, temporary protected status. Right. And that's when you're like, all right, we'll take care of you for now. Right. And then we'll work this whole thing out in a minute. Right. But you're safe. Is that all on refugees? Unless, do you, do you want to do a podcast on it? 
No, yeah, let's do one later. All right, well, okay. let's, let's move on to the, uh, the sexiest business of all of this. Yeah, the controversy. Illegal immigration. Yeah, uh, it's hard to say, obviously, how many there are. The numbers are kind of all over, but the Department of Homeland, uh, Homeland Security said that uh, there were 10.8 million last year, mm-hmm. which is down a full million from 08, and that's the largest drop in 30 years. Yeah, well, we're in the middle of a pretty big recession. Yeah. Times are tough here. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. That's exactly why. I would still think that it'd be better than being in Juarez. Well, I'm glad you brought up Juarez because I had a question about that, about Ciudad Juarez. Oh. You like my Spanish? Yeah, but I was talking about Juarez, the place, but go ahead. That's what I am. I'm talking about that too. Oh, is that the full name of it? Yeah, it means Juarez City. No, no. <laughs> I just feel dumb You're like, now. I wasn't talking about Ciudad Juarez. I was talking I about Juarez City. I don't know who that dude is. Um, <laughs> but think about it. Like, I think more than 6,000 people have died. In July, this past July, it hit the 6,000 mark. Not have died, were, were w- killed. Right, okay, yeah. were killed. Yeah. In Juarez alone. Yeah. Uh, since January 2008. That's because staggering. of the real deal drug war, right? Oh, yeah. So if you're fleeing that... Across the U.S. border, what's how is how can you not seek asylum? Is it that you could conceivably go south and deeper into your home country and be relatively safe? Yeah, that's or a good point. what? I don't know. I was hoping you would. Yeah, I don't know if asylum is just for. Uh, yeah, I mean that would definitely constitute a fear of uh, fearing for your life for sure, fear of persecution for sure. That's a good point. But that is that does kind of pose a problem for people in Juarez fleeing north. Yeah. You know, because the yeah. U.S. is right there. Juarez is in the middle of a real drug war, and it's a very dangerous place right now. Maybe they don't think asylum. They just think, you know, cross, yeah, cross <laughs> illegally, and uh, somebody should clue them in. Yeah, and before we, uh, we were, you were talking about the controversy with illegal immigration. Oh, yeah. And uh, we mentioned the recession. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're, they're, that's pretty much... I don't think too many people have problems with peaceful refugees seeking asylum in the U.S. Right. It's when economics are brought into it that sure. people go nuts, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it always goes back to money. Right, it does. But I think first we should kind of we're, – we're up here like, oh, well, they're coming in down south in the border, mm-hmm. right? Um, we should probably point out that for a lot of people who are making these border crossings illegally – it's extremely dangerous, right? Oh, sure. Silverman, who wrote this um, this article, cited 3,000 people who've died since 1994 trying to make the, the trek between the Mexico-California border. Oh, just Mexico-California? Yeah, since, wow. we, since we erected the fence there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, also, coyotes, who you pay to get you across the border, mm-hmm. especially if you're coming out of Juarez, um, they basically double as drug transporters they use illegal immigrants as mules oh yeah sure basically like well here carry some drugs and i won't charge you and the person will say well no i'll just pay you and the guy pulls out a gun and goes no you're going to carry these drugs right so these people are not just getting busted coming into the country they're getting busted with tons of dope on them and they're going to prison well and then that gives the argument to the the nativists saying see they're just coming in here bringing drugs when it may be traced back to this one drug runner it is. making these hundreds of people smuggle in their drugs. Yes. And I think it's there's a, a lot problem. of confusion going on. But, yes, it's it's not good down there right now. No, it's not. So, uh, 
Illegal immigrants, as most people know, a lot of times will come to this country, uh, join up with some of their family who may be here already legally, uh, and do jobs that Americans don't want to do for low wages. That happens a lot of times. It's not legal. You're not supposed to hire these people, but it happens. Yeah, wasn't there, um, I think Colbert did it. There's a uh, a group in New York State who were offering this farmhand, like I think, fruit harvesting job. Oh, really? To anybody who wanted it, any American, uh-huh. born American who wanted it, and no one took him up on it. Yeah. Well, that kind of goes uh, to the guest worker program, which mm-hmm. is something George uh, W. was in favor of. And that has not been approved, but it's been bandied about a lot. And basically that means if you can't find any American to do a job that you want you know, to hire someone for, then hire a uh, foreigner for about, you know, there'd be a term limit, like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, track them through the system, make them pay some taxes while they're here, yeah. and then give them an incentive to return home like, hey, we'll even give you retirement benefits, which you can collect in Juarez. <laughs> huh. After your term is done, after you've worked for three years. Yeah. And I didn't know this. I did a little digging. There was actually a program from 1942 to 1964 called, called the Bracero Program that Roosevelt put in. Not heard of this. And it was basically that. It was, we need a lot of labor, so let's get some of the uh, uh, Mexican people up here to do this work. And it was a nice exchange. But in the middle of this... <laughs> then we were like, everybody, get out. <laughs> well, it was till 1964, but in 1954, in the middle of this program, the INS ran a program... No lie, called Operation Wetback. What? That was the name of it. What? And their goal was to round up 1,000 aliens per day and get them out. And in the end, more than 1 million Mexican nationals were taken back to Mexico, courtesy of the U.S., and not just taken back to Mexico, but like 800 to 1,000 miles deep into Mexico to discourage them coming back to the U.S. Was this program headed up by Don Johnson? <laughs> I don't know, man, but that was the name of it. I mean, you can Google it. So anyway, that's part of our, our lovely history, too, here. Wow. But um, until the guest worker program is for real, then it's just an idea that some people say might not be a bad one. Yeah. Like, if they're here working, why not see if we can... Because uh, the reason a lot of people get mad, we should explain, is <laughs> like, like... This is fun. I'm watching you tap dance. Is A, they're not paying taxes, is what the, the people against us say. And right. B, they most times are sending money straight back to their home. Yeah, remittances. So, yeah, so they're not even uh, putting money into the economy. The Remember local economy. when we were in Guatemala, yeah. we found out that uh, tourism, number two, agriculture, number three... Mm-hmm. Remittances was the number one driver of their economy while we were there. Unbelievable. That ticks a lot of people off. Oh, yeah. Right? But uh, I think that that's kind of a flashpoint um, for – I don't think it encapsulates the whole thing. It's not the, the beginning and the end of the problem with immigration. No, of course not. Right? Yeah. Um, Chuck, a lot of people say you want a guest worker program, path to citizenship. That is amnesty, and we don't do that in the U.S., Right? Yeah. Actually, we do. Amnesty? Yeah, we've given amnesty to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Uh, In 1980, uh, Fidel Castro opened up the Mariel Port in Uh Havana. Yeah, yeah. And 125,000 Cubans said, see you later, and showed up en masse in Miami. Yeah, amnesty seems to have gone in big waves here. Yeah. 
which is what a lot of people say. That's why we shouldn't do it because it just encourages people to come here illegally in hopes that there will be another big amnesty. Right. It, it rewards illegal behavior. Yeah. It's federally mandated rewards for illegal behavior. I totally understand that argument. Um, it's a slap in the face to all the people who came here legally and went through this hard kind of grueling process sure. legally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, you know, all the other problems as well. Um, but I, I guess my point is we have given amnesty to people before and it hasn't been the end of the country. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and by the way, that, that uh, Cuban migration mm-hmm. in 1980, that's what Scarface starts out as. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and right. The Delta Force came to Atlanta, actually, because a lot of the uh, immigrants were moved to federal prisons just to hold for a while until the, the government figured out what to do with them. They were in turn. And there was an uprising in the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary, and the Delta Force showed up to quell it. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened in Scarface, right? Wasn't there a big uprising uh-huh. in their internment camp? Yes. Yes. Great movie. So, obviously, we... Well, we didn't really talk about the Border Patrol. We could do a whole podcast on that, but... Well, yeah, we did with uh, Customs. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. We can say that that virtual border fence that was um, controversial and full of issues, technical issues and delays, Obama put an end to that in March and said, this thing is, we could use our money better than this. It's not working. Uh, But there is a fence. There's 580 miles of 21-foot fence along the border, pedestrian and vehicle fencing. So, I mean, they're, they're working on it. I don't know. I mean, they can clearly never build a fence along the entire border. But uh, the Minutemen Civil Defense Corps is trying to do it on their own. Yeah. Not very successfully, though. No. They talk a lot, but apparently they did a report on their fence, and they basically said it's a cattle fence. I once interviewed the guy the guy who founded that. Oh, uh, really? I can't remember his name right now, but I talked to him on the phone. And you just start him talking, and he'll talk. It was very interesting, very interesting conversation to just basically sit there and take notes on. Well, I mean, I guess I see what they're trying to prove, but they were, you know, their goal was a 10-mile stretch of fence, and come on, 10 miles, I mean, you can walk that in an hour and go around it. 10 miles an hour? You're going to have to be jogging, perhaps running. Okay, two hours. Okay. (laughs) What do you walk, about four miles an hour? I walk about a mile and a half an hour, (laughs) because I stop a lot and lay down. Well, you're a stroller. What else, dude? Um, well, that's it. Amnesty. Uh, you want to talk about some more highlights of Amnesty? 1997, about a million Nicaraguans were given uh, amnesty through the Central American Relief Act. Oh, really? Uh, 1998, uh, 125,000 Haitian uh, refugees were granted amnesty en masse. Right. And all of that is because of the 1986 Immigration Reform and Control Act which gave amnesty to about 2.8 million illegal immigrants. And the president who did that? One Ronald Reagan. Lucky there. Yeah. It's funny how things work. He was such a dichotomous president. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah? Okay. I got nothing else. I don't either. I think that's the end of immigration. We don't ever have to talk about it again. Yeah, we can do refugees. We can do uh, naturalization at some point. Yeah, we could. We'll just, how about this? We'll just play selected clips from Jane Seymour's naturalization documentary (laughs) and just be like, hmm. (laughs) Oh, wow. Right. God, that is something. And then we'll uh, we'll make sure to get a lot of you crying. Yes. Okay? So, Chuck, Mm -hmm. if anybody wants to learn more about immigration, very dense article, well written by one Jacob Silverman who used to work here. Yeah. Uh, You can type in immigration, that's two M's, uh, in the handy search bar at howstuffworks.com, which means it's time now. 
or listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this a uh, shout-out request that we don't grant often, but we are in this case. Oh, this is a big one. Don't we get paid for these now? No. Oh. In Karma, we do. Uh, guys, my name is Eric Erickson, and I've been listening to your show for some time now. I was actually shown them by my friend, uh, how would you pronounce I-L-O-N-A? Ilona? Ilona. Ilona. It's like Ilona. Which is why I'm actually emailing you guys. For her birthday this year, I'm trying to do something really, really special. I've been emailing her favorite actors and musicians to see if they could send an autograph or a short message. So far, I've gotten messages back from Andrew Bird, who I'm a fan of, and uh, Priscilla Ahn, who was another singer who I don't know. Okay. And they both got back, so I felt that's the only reason I did this. I thought, well, we can't be the jerks who don't do it. Dude, do you know how many <laughs> of these we're going to get now? No, don't bother. We're going to uh, have to do like a happy birthday segment. <laughs> no. I figured it would be really awesome if you two could maybe give a shout-out to her in the listener mail section. So that's what we're doing here, Eric. It would mean a lot to me if you could do this. It doesn't matter when. He didn't tell us when her birthday was. I'm just hoping she doesn't listen to it before I give her the rest of the things, and he still doesn't tell me when her birthday is. Huh. So if we're ruining this for you, Ilona, then I'm very sorry. Uh, If you get back to me sometime, it would be super awesome. And uh, (laughs) Is this us getting back to him? uh, Yeah, I just want to tell you... uh, why Elona means so much to me. So that is very sweet, Eric. Wow. With a uh, CK, and I hope I hope this gets Wait you a minute. whatever you're seeking. This is an Eric with a CK? You can't trust Eric's to spell her names <laughs> with a C and a K. It's one or the other. You should just throw a T on the end of that. Just to... He's very middle of the road, I'll bet. Yeah. He's so, like, I can see your side, but I can also see your side. I'll bet this immigration podcast just made his head explode. <laughs> well, clearly neither one of them are going to get through this, so <laughs> they'll just think that we blew them off. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Um, if you want to say happy birthday to somebody, apparently it's the, the border is open. No. And everybody's streaming through. It's not. Let us know why we should say happy birthday to somebody. Wrap it up in an email and send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today.